You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast. My name is Anastasia Madanidou and I'm a rheumatology trainee based in the UK. Today we are talking about lupus nephritis and belibuma. I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Christopher Soval. Dr. Soval, we've got your paper which was recently published in the Rheumatology Journal about de novo lupus nephritis during treatment with belibuma. So firstly, would you like to introduce yourself and say us a few words about who you are? Absolutely. Hello everyone, I'm Christopher Sjöval, consultant rheumatologist and associate professor in rheumatology at Linköping University in Sweden. Linköping is one of the largest cities in Sweden and the university hospital where I work has a catchment area of approximately 400,000 people. I started to be interested in lupus some years ago now, almost 20 years ago. And I uh, wrote my thesis in 2006 on CRP and uh, autoantibodies targeting CRP in lupus nephritis. At that time, we did not have a cohort in the region where I work. So I had to borrow samples and clinical data from Lund University and Uppsala University. And I learned a lot of lupus from colleagues like Gunnar Sturfelt and Ola Nived in Lund, for instance, and later also from Lars Rundblom in Uppsala. But after I finished my PhD, I started to build up my own cohort here in Linköping, the region where I live and work. So in 2008, I started to collect data for the clinical lupus register in northeastern Gotia. And we, right now we have about 350 cases uh, that we collected, both uh, incident and established disease since 2008. And this has been a rich source for research. And also we have a very high coverage of patients, about 98 to 99% of the lupus cases in the region are covered in the cohort. So that's quite nice. Very, very interesting journey, and you have now a very large cohort of patients. Could you please give us a brief overview of your paper? Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, we follow our patients very closely in this region, and almost all patients with systemic lupus are included in the register. So we were very happy when the first biologic drug were approved, and we started to use belimumab in late 2011, I think. But uh, from the beginning, it was really hard to understand which subgroup of lupus patients, because all physicians and scientists who work with lupus understand that it's a very heterogeneous uh, disease. And uh, it was difficult to really understand which subgroup would benefit most from the use of belimumab. And after I think a year or two, there was this subgroup analysis made. It was published in 2012 in Annals of Rheumatic Diseases uh, with uh, Ron 
van Bollenhoven as the first author, belimumab in the treatment of SLE, high disease activity predictors of response. And that article really showed that high SLEDI and large doses of steroids and also complement consumption and DNA antibodies were predictors of, uh, of response to belimumab. So I think that we, in Sweden at least, we were quite flavored by that paper and we tended to select cases who did not have renal disease, but had anti-DNA antibodies and complement consumption for belimumab treatment. And I also know that in parts of Europe, belimumab is only indicated if you have complement consumption in combined with anti-DNA antibodies. So that was the start actually. And I think it was during the second or third year of using belimumab that I had my first patient who had a really severe serositis and she needed high doses of steroids and the serositis came back all the time. And we tried everything that we had, like acetylprene, methotrexate and mycophenolate mofetil. We did not try cyclophosphamide though, because we usually don't uh, use cyclophosphamide for serositis. So I decided that belimumab could be an option as this patient had high levels of anti-DNA, complement consumption, and also high levels of anti-C1Q antibodies. And she responded quite well initially. We were able to reduce the steroids. I think that she had a pneumonia, but it was not that severe, actually. So mm. I decided to go on with belimumab. But after nine months, she developed lupus nephritis with proteinuria and we biopsied and it was proliferative uh, nephritis. And as this had not been reported before, I decided to write a case report of it. And it was published in Scandinavian Journal of Rheumatology in 2014. And I still used belimumab, and we had another few cases with similar results and similar side effects, say, in my cohort. And I started to discuss this both with my colleagues in Sweden and with some other colleagues in Europe, like Ed Vital, for instance, in Leeds. And he, it came up that he had a similar experience, actually. So we decided, my good friend Joannis Parudis in Stockholm and Ed Vital, we decided to really compile all the cases who had tried belimumab during these first, I think it was the first eight years of, of belimumab. And it ended up in 95 cases uh, who were exposed to belimumab. And about two-thirds of these 95 cases did not have a prior nephritis. So they were like pure extrarenal lupus. And of course, they had different follow-up time. But once we uh, compiled the data, we uh, observed that 9%, uh, 6 of 66 cases, developed biopsy-proven lupus nephritis after having been exposed to belimumab. We also saw a few relapses of renal disease among the 30 patients who had a prior lupus nephritis but not at the onset of belimumab introduction. Of course, you will always want to have a control population. And this is, of course, difficult to find a suitable control population. But we tried to match the 66 cases without prior lupus nephritis 
we try to match those with SLE patients with similar serology and similar steroid doses at initiation of belimumab. And it ended up that the data show that uh, it was actually an increased frequency or shorter time to de novo uh, nephritis development in the patients having been exposed to belimumab. However, we could also look at protective factors, and it was shown that use of antimalarials was actually protective against de novo nephritis. Very interesting, and it's very interesting that you started from an observation and then you collaborated with colleagues around Europe and you wrote this paper. And, of course, you found in your paper that patients on belibumab develop nephritis, but we know that belibumab has been approved for lupus nephritis. Could you please explain this antithesis, if possible? Yes, I mean, this is confusing even for me, but of course we have our thoughts about this. And I think that we should be really happy that we have a randomized controlled trial, which has showed uh, efficacy of belimumab in uh, lupus nephritis. That's fantastic. And we will see how belimumab will be used for this subset of patients in the future. However, I'm not sure that it's actually the same population because in the RCT, you have patients with renal nephritis. But what we have shown actually is that patients with extra renal disease activity in that subgroup of patients, belimumab does not seem to protect against the development of lupus nephritis, at least not in all cases, obviously. And we are not alone with this uh, observation. We have uh, seen data also from America and from Spain and from Greece, I think, also. So this observation has been made by others as well. I think that if you use belimumab for SLE patients, you can not relax and just think that this will protect against nephritis. You should still be cautious. You have to have a urine test at the visits. And I think our data also show that the importance of using antimalarial drugs or also in the subgroup with the risk of, of renal disease. In addition, I think that it is a little bit problematic to only look at serology and select patients based on presence of anti-DNA and complement consumption. Because if you do that, you will select the subgroup of patients which are prone to develop lupus nephritis. So this is problematic. Is there a mechanistic explanation to this? Well, I'm not sure, but I think the recent years, uh, new knowledge about the role of regulatory B cells or, or B cells with regulatory properties, I think that subgroup of cells are interesting. And we don't know really how dependent this subgroup of B cells are upon BAF. One hypothesis could be that BAF uh, may be important also for the regulatory B cells. And if you block BAF, perhaps your regulatory B cells would not develop as expected. You explain this very nicely in the paper about the bath and the limumab. I think the message from your paper is clear that we should monitor closely the melibumab treated patients for signs of renal disease. We, we should stay alert. And 
Could you please also tell us a bit about your strengths and limitations of your paper? Yes, I shortly mentioned the limitation, uh, and that is obviously that this is not a, a randomized controlled trial. This is purely real-life observations, and we did not have a control group. What we did have, what I think the best that we could achieve, that was a matched control group with patients with similar serology. And so that is this limitation. About the strength, I think that we in, in Sweden, we have a, a tax-funded healthcare uh, system and cost for healthcare is a universal. So we do not have a, a selection bias problem in the paper. From the area where I worked, we have uh, 100% of the lupus patients included that were exposed to bulimumab. And I also know that uh, there's a high coverage of cases in the, in the registers from the other Swedish centers. I was told from Ed Vital that all patients in Leeds having been exposed to bulimumab were also included in the paper. The control group, as I mentioned, were entirely Swedish patients. They, they were from Stockholm and Linköping, where I work. So Leeds only contributed with the patients being exposed to bulimumab. Thank you very much. And one last question, please. Based on your paper, do you think there is anything we should change from tomorrow in our clinical practice? The take-home message from today. Let me say it like this. I'm happy with the randomized control trial on bulimumab, but I don't think that bulimumab is the answer to the resolution of lupus nephritis in all patients. And also, it was actually not significant if you had uh, induction therapy with cyclophosphamide. The addition of bulimumab was actually not statistically uh, significant. So it was only uh, shown actually for MMF uh, induction. So I still think that there is room for improvement. And I think, as you mentioned also, we have to monitor our patients with regard to proteinuria, although they have received new and, and expensive drugs. Thank you very much, Dr. Soval. It has been a very good discussion today. I encourage our listeners to have a look at the paper entitled De Novo Lupus Nephritis During Treatment with Palibumab. You can find the paper on the Rheumatology Journal. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.